My Mother, The Person and the Patient is an original podcast written and hosted by me, Fortuna Kuso. This podcast is about my mother, Timira Abdusamid Muhammad, Ayaya we call her, and that's the Somali word for grandmother, and her great-grandchildren call her Ayaya too, and that is their way of saying great-grandmother. The task to keep my mother safe in the house moved from the bathroom into the bedroom in early 2018. That was seven years after the original diagnosis. So one night my mother was sleeping in this queen-size bed she'd been sleeping in for years. And then two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, I just hear this loud bang and I jump out of bed and come to my mother's bedroom. My bedroom and her bedroom are across from each other, just a small hallway between us. And I just ran to her. And when I came to her room, she was flat on the floor, nothing broken, nothing bleeding, but she was shaken and startled. She didn't know she fell out of bed. She didn't know what happened. I um, comforted her, got her back into bed, but she couldn't sleep. So I got into bed with her and that's how she slept. So in my head, the wheels are turning and I'm thinking, what is the best equipment that I could use to keep her in bed safe? Next morning, I woke up and I got online and looked up gates. You know, those gates that we used to put for children uh, when they started sleeping on a toddler bed after the child leaves the crib and they're in a toddler bed. The beds came with those gates. So I looked up for a gate like that for adult bed and I found one and I ordered it. And the two days I waited for the item to be shipped, I had to be in bed with her because she was so rattled by falling and there was no way to explain it to her. And I got the gate and I thought this will do the trick and I put the gate on. She didn't like the gate. That was the problem. And she didn't know why the gate wasn't there. So she kept on shaking it and shaking it and shaking it and uh, and kept on waking up and calling me and asking me, take this off my bed. Why is this on my bed? What is going on? Because this thing is bigger and black and kind of like really, really obvious. And um, I don't know what to do because I'm feeling that if I take that off, she's going to fall off the bed. Also, this gate was set in a way that if you really um, had the wherewithal, you could actually use it as a leverage to get up, sit up on the bed and, and stand up like that. So it was really a good item. But the challenge was my mother didn't understand why it was there and she could not um, deal with it. And I did everything to make sure that she didn't see the gate, but I could not hide it. And it was not something that would go down or something that was low enough or kind of like the same color of the bed. I don't know. Maybe I could have bought something that wasn't really that obvious color, but I didn't think like that. I didn't think she would be so 
against this having this gate there and there was no way to explain it to her I would stand there explain it why it's there and she says okay okay I get it that's fine you can leave now but then less than a minute later she's calling me again hysterical I called the Alzheimer's Society and I say this is my issue what should I do they said if you call your caseworker at the CCAC they will help you get a hospital bed you need a hospital bed that comes with gates and you can push it down and lift it up so I call CCAC they take all the information and then the man who delivered the bed sets it up a month later I got a bill on the mail saying that this is past due you have 280 dollars for the month that's all i'm already 10 days into the month and then 280 dollars in the following month because you're supposed to pay a month in advance and i'm just thinking what is going on here so i called back the company that delivered the bed and they said ccac only rents the bed for you this bed is rental and it only rents it for you one month and then you could decide if you want to keep the bed or or not i said it's 280 dollars for me to keep this bed every single month for the rest of my mother's life i'm not going to do that but he said you already use 10 days of this month so you have to pay the 280 for this month and i said okay i have to pay this 280 for this month but then i am going to have to find the bed within the next 20 days so i start going on these resale website and i found this woman selling a bed one of the top of the line beds that her father bought and he passed about 15 months after he bought it and it was six thousand dollar bed and she listed it two thousand dollars and i saw it had the mattress intended to help elderly person with their pressure points it was accessible i had a remote i could put it all the way down to the floor all the way up to uh, my chest it had gates on both sides it was just this beautiful item but i told this um the woman i only have eighteen hundred dollars i don't have two thousand dollars so is that okay and she said okay i'll take the eighteen hundred dollars and i said okay i gave her two hundred dollars deposit and i told her i'm going to come for the bed on saturday and then she called me a day later and she said do you know how to take it apart and i said i don't and she said do you know how to set it up and i said i don't and she said and you might be better off to pay for the company that sold the bed to us this is their phone number and see what they will charge you and then i called the company and i gave them all the information they said it's an hour and a half and you need two people so it's three hours for two workers to come with their truck and take it apart in the lady's house bring it to your house and put it together in your house so they gave me a schedule i called the woman back and i said this is the day they can come in and pick the bed up for me is that okay? And she said, yes, that's okay. And then before I hung up, she said, by the way, how much are they charging you to deliver the bed? And I said, they're charging me um, three hours of $90. And she said, okay, what I'll do is I will just charge you $1,500. Since you only had $1,800, use the other $300 
to um, pay for the, for the service charge and I'll take 1500 I did not know what hit me. I almost cried. That woman was one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. The only unfortunate thing was I didn't really get her address to send her a thank you card. That's my only regret in that transaction. And four years, almost five years later, it's still beautiful, served my mother and I very well. And I was able to send that $200 bed back. Actually, the bed I got was better, higher caliber, higher quality than the one that the company was going to charge me $280 a month. And I got it for $1,500. Imagine if I was paying $280 every month for the last four and a half years, almost five years. That would have been thousands and thousands. So that's how I went about getting there. But as you can see, and as my uh, reaction, I'm always reacting to Alzheimer's, like I said before, and everything I do is done in steps like a trial and error process. I don't really have a clear path or clear method of what I'm doing and how to solve the issues I'm facing. So I'm hoping somebody listening to these episodes can hear it and and get to the point. So if you have a loved one that's in this situation, rent the bed or all the equipment CCAC will rent it for you for one month. They'll pay for that one month. That's a great time to a try the equipment to see if it works for your loved one and give yourself time to purchase it if you can within that one month and be aware of it before the month is done, four days, five days, if you don't want to use it anymore or if you have the ability to purchase the item outright, then contact the company and say, okay, I'm ready for you to come and pick this item up. So you are not responsible for a cost incurred like I had to pay for. When you listen to how we arrived at my mother's diagnosis and what followed, it's so easy to see her just as the patient, to see her as nothing more than the disease that reduced her to shell of her old self. But I want to also to tell you about my mother, the person, the fierce woman that told her stories unapologetically, celebrating the beautiful parts and harsh realities equally. I want to share with you the stories she told us about her life as a girl growing up in a small village, the tales that marked her adulthood, I want to share with you all her losses and the ultimate winnings. The following chapter is one of those stories reconstructed from my childhood memory. The week following her horrible nightmare with her mother in it, Tamira moved through Nietzsche Kane's house. Her hands, feet, and mind were guided by something beyond her. As if propelled forward on a wooden raft carrying her over a lazy river, she did things without being aware of doing them. She had a deep desire to go home, to leave her husband. But Timira reminded herself she had no reason to run away. Nietzsche Kane had done nothing wrong. In fact, he was kind to her. 
provided her with a comfortable life. He bought her clothing and jewelry only a few days after he'd brought her to his house. No woman in her village had a housekeeper. As far as she knew, cooking, cleaning, and minding the house was the wife's job. Still, Timiro couldn't settle in place. Even when she was in bed, her thoughts remained in motion. The desperate notion of leaving collided with the reality that she couldn't say why. In the end, the desire to go overtook the reason to stay. Nietzsche Kane was fast asleep in his bed, snoring that night, the night she decided to go. The moonlight from the open window landed on his face, framing it in a phosphorescent glow. His eyes were partially open and his lips were slightly apart as if he was lost in a deep thought. She waited for hours before she pushed her bed covers off and sat up. She had no reason for the middle of the night flight. She could have gone any time of the day. No one kept her under watch. Nietzsche Kane left home every morning after breakfast and didn't come to the house until after Mahri prayer. She dressed, moving to the crackling sound Nietzsche Kane chest made when he was in deep sleep, snoring in falsetto. In the exhale, his nostrils whistled, muffling the click-clack of her sandals against the tiled floor. It was dark when Timira made it into the common room and pulled out the knitting basket she'd hidden under the table earlier that day. She pulled out the bag with the giant sunflower in the middle she'd stashed there. She felt for the long strap and inspected the content in the bag. A thermos of tea, a piece of bread, two oranges, a handful of dates, all left over from her breakfast and lunch, the two meals she took alone. She wrapped a shawl. Nietzsche Kane's first gift to her over her shoulders and walked away from the house with the clay roof she hoped for the last time. The fear of what lay ahead crept in when Timira was in the middle of the market some distance away from the house. Darkness was so complete it felt like a thick blanket of silence covered the entire city. Even the dogs that roamed the market and barked from sunset to sunrise issued no sound. She passed several of them sleeping. They were tucked under overturned wagons tied together for safekeeping until the morning delivery boys came for them. Two creatures lifted their heads and looked at her for a second or two, perhaps checking if she meant them harm. Seeing no danger approaching, they pushed their noses between their front paws and returned to slumber. On some level, Timira had thought about leaving for over a week by then, but the final act scared her. The venture struck her as irrational, dangerous even. Of course she wanted to go home, but didn't know what direction home was and how to get there. So she thought about her next step. In the dark and the lonely night, as she stood in the middle of the market for a long minute, the indecision shook her. Her teeth chattered from the combination of the chilly air of the night 
and the fear within. She'd contemplated returning. Nietzsche Kane and her were the only two people in the house at night. Alisa went to her family after the supper dishes were washed and put away. It would have been easy to sneak back in, pretend she went to the washroom, but Timiro knew there was no going back, not after all the hectic days that preceded that night. She couldn't stand the smell of the city that filled her the minute she got off the truck. It was impossible to endure the one that oozed out of Nietzsche cane even when he was a mile away from her. She scanned the space around her to form a mental picture of what she was leaving behind. To assure herself this was the right move, she needed to do this. She opened and closed her mouth to get the shaking under control. She took a deep cleansing breath and looked up. An enormous full moon covered the landscape with a silver glow. The fear of the unknown melted away at the sight of the twinkling stars above. Soon her stomach settled, and the fear gave way to hope of getting home. She moved with purpose. Making one tentative step after another, she began walking. She walked the entire night only taking short breaks to chew a piece of bread, a date, and take a sip of tea. At the sight of daybreak, the sun sent welcoming rays to the dark earth, burning the thick fog that covered earth with a gray layer of moisture. She left the dirt road to avoid being seen and sat on a rock beneath a large tree. She leaned her back against the tree to keep watch for anything approaching. Do you recognize her? Timira heard a woman's voice before she opened her eyes. What is she doing out here alone? In her sleep-drugged mind, Timira thought it was her mother speaking. She kept her eyes shut tightly. She didn't want to engage with anyone. A long second passed before the alarm of strangers looming over her took hold. She opened her eyes and bolted right up, moving from lying down to standing in a single motion. She walked backward until she hit her back against the large Qura tree behind her. She winced but didn't cry. A boy not much younger than her stood between a man and a woman staring at Timiro. She returned a similar glare in their direction. They didn't try to come at her or move any closer to her. They remained between the dirt road she turned from earlier and the tree that stood behind her. The woman took two steps in Timiro's direction before she spoke. What's your name, Timiro? And your father? the man asked. Timiro knew what he was after. That was an important question, and she needed to give him the proper response. She started reciting her tribal lineage from her first name, Timiro, followed by her father, grandfather, and great-grandfather, Abdissamit Muhammad Adan Hirsi Musa, until the man stopped her after the 20th forefather's name. I know who you are, he said with a smile for he figured out her tribe from her recitation of the names. But what are you doing this far away from home? Timur opened her mouth to speak and closed it. 
because she didn't know what to say. She hadn't planned for such a question to come her way. She didn't contemplate the idea of running into people and the expectation to account for her being where she was. The man and the woman looked at each other and turned to Timiro. She regretted resting here where they could find her. They seemed to be waiting for a response, but she couldn't admit to running away from her home and husband and neglecting her wifely duties. That would have meant a return to Nitsekain. I, she began, but found no words to add. How long have you been here? The man asked. I, she repeated. Enough with the questions. The woman turned to the man. Don't you see the girl's not well? She moved a little closer, tentative. Come here, child. She took Timira by the hand and led her to the road. Timira didn't know why, but she felt comforted by this woman's touch, as if her mother had inhibited her body. The man and the boy followed them. My mother, the person and the patient, can be found in Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to follow like and share and join me next week as I share with you another episode of my mother's journey as both the person and the patient. Thank you.